bit, but didn't want to make, give major guilt or shame. Um, but yeah, so you're going to, we'll have our time in God's word and then we will pray and we'll be dismissed. Um, and again, we'll have some uh, coffee out in the fellowship hall. We'll be meeting back here uh, a little, 11, a little after 11 to hear from Courtney and Jimmy. So if you have a Bible, please open to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. This is our final week in Advent. Christmas is only three days away. Three days away. So uh, be excited. Um, Was that you, Sean? That was good. I don't know if that was a cry or if that was a... So during this Advent season, we've been reflecting on the songs of the Advent narrative uh, through Luke's gospel, Mary's song, if you've talked to Daniel, Zachariah's song, the angel's song this morning, Simeon's song, and each song is a praise in response to the arrival of Jesus. And and I, I know... We've taken a break from our series in Mark, and we've entered into this Luke narrative. But Luke, at this point, it's really struck me how at this point in the gospel, Luke has really moving at breakneck speed. I mean, it's incredible how much ground he's covered. Gabriel has visited Zechariah to foretell John the Baptist's birth. Uh, Gabriel has visited Mary to foretell Jesus' birth. Mary has visited John's mother, Elizabeth, where John leaps for joy in her womb. Uh, Mary glorifies God with her song of praise. John is born. Zechariah prophesies with his song of praise. Joseph and Mary travel to Bethlehem from Nazareth where Jesus is born. And the angels proclaim his birth to shepherds and they burst out in their song of praise. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Then after this in the beginning of... um, or, or that's actually uh, in Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 21, Luke gives us this really brief summary, um, really just giving us a picture that, that Jesus' family were living um, obediently according to the Mosaic law. And we see that Jesus, and, and he kind of encapsulates a few different um, a few different things that needed to be performed according to the law. Uh, Jesus is brought to the temple to be circumcised on the eighth day, and that was a sign that he was belonging to God's covenant people of Abraham. Uh, Mary gives a sacrifice after a period of what would have been in their culture uh, of ceremonial impurity after giving birth, and and there was to be a a sacrifice given, and the sacrifice that that she gives um, was that a sacrifice allowed for the poor. If you had some means, you'd be sacrificing a lamb. If not, you would sacrifice a couple of birds. They give a sacrifice of the poor. Um, Jesus is consecrated to the Lord as a firstborn child. Um, and this is just a really interesting thing that anything, any firstborn of the womb would be, would be set apart as sacred to the Lord for service unto the Lord. And then actually the parents had to redeem him back. 
That's, that was part of, the parents actually had to buy him back with five shekels of silver. We see that in the book of Numbers. So they do that as well. So all these things give us this little picture of what we see in Galatians 4.4 4 that says, When the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law. Now that's not don't speed over 55 miles per hour. That's, the, that's God's law, law given to Moses. So he was born under law to redeem or to purchase or to ransom, to buy back those under law. So all those other people that have also been under the law but have found themselves to be sinners under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. So all of that happens in less than two chapters in the Gospel of Luke. We're like finding ourselves, all of that happening in the middle of chapter 2. And there, this is where we come upon this short narrative about a man named Simeon. And we, we can assume, and many people do assume, um, maybe infer according to the context that Simeon is old. That that's a pretty safe guess, but the text doesn't say that explicitly. Um, in fact, we really don't know anything about this guy except what we find in this short story. But it, it, we, our attention should be raised because it is in God's word. And God calls this man out by name. And, and I really think that in these few paragraphs, we see a man who is deeply in tune to the Holy Spirit of God. And that's what I really want to focus a little bit on this morning, just how in tune Simeon is to the Holy Spirit of God. We live in a culture today where the majority now believes that, that, that we're actually defined by, by our inclinations, defined, defined by how our impulses, our feelings, our desires. And, and God teaches that we're defined by him. That he is the one that brings definition into, we, into our lives and who we are. Um, he, he, the Bible also teaches us then that our desires, even good desires, are to come under the governance of his lordship. So that we then wouldn't be governed by our desires. You understand? So it's either we're governed by our desires, we're lorded over by our desires, and that's how we say, well, this is who I am. Or we put ourselves under God's lordship and we're governed by him and he governs our desires. Um, and, and as we long for things, as we desire things, as a, as a Christian, we're to look to the Lord to decipher a healthy desire versus an unhealthy desire. Because the Bible actually says that our own desires aren't even trustworthy that way. That we'd say, God, tell me, according to your word, whether this is healthy or whether this is unhealthy. Um, and then even a healthy, in a healthy longing, uh, we look not only to what we long for, but we look to the Lord, who is the giver of all good things, and in his timing of whether that longing would be ours. And I think in that process, I think as we allow the Lord to be the one that governs over our desires, as we, as we look to him in our desires and, 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 look, and, and leave them with him and say, is this healthy? Is this unhealthy? Is this something of your heart? Should I, should I just be expectantly waiting for it? And we'll, look at, we'll think about that in a moment. I think what happens is that God begins to shift our desires. That, 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 that 
we move from desires that tend toward uh, being twisted and selfish to having the desires of God's heart. Lord, may your desires ultimately become my desires. I think that's a huge part of what prayer is all about. That I come to you with my desires, and then in that, you're forming my heart, that my heart would become in line with your heart. And I think we see this in Simeon, that he walked so closely with the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit's desires became his desires. It became the great longing of his heart. And I think we can look at how he responds to the Spirit and follow his example. So we'll start just by reading uh, two and a half verses here. And we're going to break into Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. So we'll pause right there. The first thing I'd like us to note is how we see Simeon walking with the Spirit. And I think we see him walk with the Spirit um, in a few ways. And I'm sure more ways than, than I'm even going to comment on this morning. Uh, but for one, I, I, I noted that he walks in obedience. He walks in obedience. The, the text tells us that Simeon was righteous and devout. So it's really interesting when the scripture says someone is righteous. That is not on par with the perfect righteousness of God, right? That means they led a life according to God's righteousness. And they did it well. Uh, that, that It seemed that someone like Simeon, you'd say, took the two greatest commandments very, very seriously. We can, we can assume that Simeon was someone that loved his neighbor as himself. That he was living in that righteousness of God. And we can assume also that he was devout in the sense of his love for God and his devotion for God. That he, that, he, that he poured all of his being, his heart, soul, mind, and strength into who he was with God. He was righteous and devout. And I think in this we can assume that his character, his character is being formed by the Holy Spirit. Because again, as a follower of Jesus Christ, that is, that is our desire, that our character be formed by the Spirit. In Galatians, and the, I'm going to break into and read just a couple verses of, of uh, where the context expands this much farther. But in Galatians 5, 16, the Apostle Paul says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. You could turn that around and say, if you're not living by the Spirit, you will be gratifying the, the desires of the sinful nature, right? But, it, but the idea is that our desires, our longings would come under the Lordship of Christ. And he says, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. And then he goes on and he lists some of the things that, that are markers of the sinful nature, and he lists what we know of as the fruit of the Spirit. He says, Paul says in the uh, letter to the Roman church, he says, um, 
Those who are living in the sin, according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Right? So their desires are being formed by God's desires. God's desires are becoming our desires. The Spirit of God's desires are desires. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. So I think Simeon is righteous and devout. His, his, his life is, and his character is coming under the, the lordship of God through the Spirit. He walks in obedience. I think Simeon also walks, and this is very, very clear in the text, in what I would call expectancy. He walks in expectancy. Uh, he has his eyes peeled for what God is doing. And I, and I think in our, in our culture, where expectancy is actually being trained out of us. And, and again, I don't, I'm not the guy that wants to be wagging the finger at, oh, this is the culture and the culture's so bad. It's just, it's just looking at what is real, what's going on, right, and facing those facts. So this, this concept of expectancy is being trained out of us because we, we can get what we think we want with immediacy, Right? So my, my communication is always instantaneous. I don't have to wait for a letter. Right? And that's not saying letters are better than text. It's just the reality of the time we live in. I, I, I wait. If I wait two days for Amazon, that's a long time. Where's my package? Right? I was supposed to get a package yesterday. True story. I checked. This is embarrassing. I checked like three or four times. Where's my package? And they're like, nine o'clock came and they're like, sorry, your package is late. What? Late, that means it's going to come in three days. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so we're losing, we're losing the importance of waiting in our culture. Um, we, we are becoming so, we're, we're, we, we don't, we're not learning the lessons that, that, are, that are meant to be taught through delayed gratification. Um, and we're no longer fostering a character that's formed through patience and, and that gives us a healthy, a healthy sense of expectancy. But I, I think we need to realize that God really still desires to build that in us. And, and even with whatever culture we're in, whatever time we're in, if we're walking, if we're walking in the Spirit, He's going to want to be building a sense of expectancy in you. And, you know, I, I go out hunting, and I realize this year, even, I, I realize how short my attention span is. I go out hunting, and if I go out for two sunrises and I have not seen a deer, I'm just like, I, I, I just stop expecting to see a deer, Right? I go out and it's like, you know, you're just like I'm out in the woods, but I'm not really expecting to see a deer. Um, I think that God wants us to be those who are learning what steadfast endurance looks like. That, that we're not expecting God to be Amazon Prime, right? That, that he, has, he has better things for us in the waiting, and that, and that in the waiting, we be people that, that don't give up on seeking. That we don't stop yearning after the Lord. 
that, that we trust him that in seasons of quiet, in seasons that just seem much longer than we expected, he is building something in us. Um, Psalm 130, verses 5 and 6, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. So you see what happens there? As I'm waiting, I turn to the Lord's word, which is a steady, and in that I realize that, that even in the waiting I have hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than a watchman wait in the morning, more than a watchman wait in the morning. Uh, C.S. Lewis once wrote, I am sure God keeps no one waiting unless he sees that it's good for him to wait. <laughs> Those are the quotes that were like, come on. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to hear that one. You will find, he continues, you will find that the long wait has done, so, done you some kind of good which you could not have had otherwise. Hmm. So maybe we should be embracing seasons of waiting. And that doesn't mean we're not active. I think, again, what we see, see in Simeon is that he's expectant. But he doesn't go, grow tired in the waiting. That, that, that he's faithful in the waiting. It says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He, he's waiting. That's another way of just saying he's waiting for Messiah. He, he's waiting um, maybe all his life, each day perhaps waking up and going, maybe today is the day that Messiah is going to show up and bring comfort to his people. That sounds familiar, though, doesn't it? Because as we talked about, God promised that Messiah would come once. He's also promised what? He's going to come again. I say, boy, are we ex as expectant as Simeon that maybe today will be the day that God's Messiah will come and bring comfort to his people, bring salvation to his people. But I think this applies to, to all of our life. Um, Daryl Bach, the author Daryl Bach says, Saints in touch with God's heart often await expectantly the completion of God's promises. Saints in touch with God's heart often await expectantly the completion of God's promises. Psalm 40 verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. So I, I think there's some encouragement here. Don't despair in the waiting. Don't despair in the waiting. In fact, maybe God is doing something really good, really beautiful. Keep alert. Keep expectant. So, so Simeon walks in obedience. Simeon walks with expectancy. Simeon also walks in sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's movement. Um, Simeon's name literally means, I didn't know this, I had to look it up. Is Bonnie here? Simeon's name literally means... Right, so, yeah, or he who listens. I asked Bonnie because she has a name named, uh, a son named Simeon. Um, so, Lenny, now you know. <laughs> ah, yeah, don't ask me what all my kids' names mean either, so. <clears throat> so, I, I, really, Simeon's relationship with the Holy Spirit is exceptional here, and we need to realize this, that that 
Simeon is not yet living in the age of the church. It's in the church age, and oh, if we're like fish in water, we don't appreciate the magnitude of this. It's, it's only in the age of the church that the Holy Spirit is poured out on all his people, that he indwells and lives within us, that he is, as um, Ephesians tells us, that he is the seal of God, like a king would have a signet ring. He's the seal of God in our life that he guarantees our inheritance. That is the age of the church that experiences that. So if you believe in Jesus Christ, have come to him in repentance and faith, God's seal guaranteeing your inheritance is on your life once and for all. He indwells you. Amen? Wow, that is... But that wasn't always the case. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was one that would like come on someone with power and then... Leave. It wasn't a constant presence. But so it seems like Simeon had this really exceptional experience and walk with the Holy Spirit. But in that, he was one who listened. He listened to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And we see at the end of those verses I just read that, that the, the, the Spirit moves him to go into the temple. Right? You say, wow, how'd that? So here's what I don't know. Here's what I don't know. Did Simeon know at the time that the Spirit was moving him to go into the temple? I don't know. But what I do know, whether he knew it or not, if he didn't know it, he looked back and said, wow, the Spirit moved me to go into the temple. And whether I was conscious of it or not, I, I moved in obedience to the Spirit. So it's kind of like this. It's like when, when God puts someone on your heart and you pray for them or you call them, right? You're obedient to say, oh, Lord, why are you putting this person on my heart? Or maybe you even go and visit them and then they say when you're there or you call and they go, oh, man, you don't understand. You came at just the right time. You ever have that happen? You came at just the right time. And then you can look back and like Simeon, you go, oh, it is the Spirit who led me here. And I was just being sensitive to the moving and the prompting of the Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, lead our steps. May we be obedient, expectant, and sensitive to your movement. Moving on. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. So the next thing I'd like us to hear is how Simeon praises with the Holy Spirit. Um, and this is where his song comes in. The Spirit has moved Simeon into the temple, and what a coincidence at the very time that, that Mary and Joseph and Jesus are coming in. 
And, and like I just said, it's not a coincidence. We see that this is what we call one of those God-ordained moments. But maybe here's the challenge. Maybe that's happening all the time. Maybe that's happening all the time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, oh, this was such a God-ordained moment because, we were, because in that moment we were sensitive to what the Spirit was doing. And, and we think it happens like once a year. Well, I was really sensitive to what the Spirit was doing, and this is so obvious, and I came, and it was at just the right time. But maybe God's doing that all the time. And we just need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God in our movements. When I'm standing at, I thought of this the other day, and it's like, I am, I, I'm bad at this. I'm like ADD. I'm standing at, the, the, the Walmart che- the, at Walmart at the checkout, and I look at the lady, and I'm like, maybe I'm here for this moment. And I don't know what it is, a word, a smile, you know, a, 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 a showing of gratitude, a love of Jesus that she's not getting. I don't know. I just say maybe, I think God's doing it all the time. And they move into the temple. Simeon moves into the temple. And the spirit somehow makes it clear to Simeon. And this is, again, just this extraordinary relationship he has with the Holy Spirit. Um, He knows that of all the babies he's seen in his life, this infant, I mean, it would have been very unassuming. These are two poor, young, you know, carrying an infant. They can't even offer a lamb. They're offering two birds. They have this Galilean accent. They're not even from the local area. And, and God has given Simeon insight. You will see Christ. You will see Messiah before you die. And he knows that's the one. What a moment. Can you imagine how long he had been expectant? How long he had been waiting And God somehow in his spirit, God's spirit with his spirit says, that's the one. It's him. And he goes up, and in our culture we'd say, I certainly hope he asked to take him in his arms, but he... he, but maybe not. I don't know. They, they, did, they had a high respect for the elderly in this culture. And he takes Jesus into um, his arms and he gives this beautiful song, this spirit-led psalm of praise. Sovereign Lord, to the God who is in control, as you have promised, you are the one who keeps your word, keeps your promises. I've been expecting it. You, may now, you now dismiss your servant in peace. He's saying, my life is fulfilled now that I've seen the Christ. It's, the wordage actually I read is, now it seems that he's talking about his death. I don't, I don't think he's asking for his death, but he's like, Lord, you can take me now. Because, because you, you can dismiss your servant in peace. I'm good. And the word is, is actually like a slave being freed. You can dismiss me, Lord. I've been freed. I have seen your salvation. I have seen your Messiah. I'm holding him. God's salvation is a person. And he's in my arms. Can you imagine that? He's in my arms. I see him. His name is Jesus. And he's a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. He's not for Israel only. 
He's not just for God's people of old. He's for all the people. And he, he will, in fact, be Israel's glory, whether they realize it or not, because salvation is now born out of Israel under the law to redeem those who are under the law. And I noticed as, as, I, as I considered um, Simeon's praise here that, that as he praises in the Spirit, he glorifies God, he testifies to personal impact, and he points to Jesus. And I thought, isn't that what praise should do? Isn't that what spirit-led praise should do? It glorifies God. It testifies to personal impact. It points people to Jesus. You know, in contrast, the, the, the praises of the flesh glorify self, testify to self, and point people to self, right? And, and, I, and, I, and I think that that look-in-me drive... Because that's what we, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. That look in me drive is a misplaced desire of what the Spirit of God would build in us to say, look at him. Look at him. And, and I'd have you even question yourself to say, as, as, as you say, look at me, look at me, look at me, as the praises of self glorify self and testify to self and point to self, has that fulfilled you? Or has it left you as empty as, as ever? Has that vain glory, in fact, just keep, does it keep rearing the insecurities of your heart? Because the cup is never full. Look at me, look at me. I need, a, I need, I need a, a, another boost, someone else to boost my pride, someone else to boost my confidence. Tell me I'm great. Tell me I'm special. And the Lord's like, I'm the one that defines you. I'm the one that defines you. And when you would turn that around and say, look at him. Consider the beautiful things he's done for me. The, the only thing I need to boast in is what God has done for me. And point others to Jesus. There I find the security of giving glory to the one who deserves it. Holy Spirit, lead us in the praise of our hearts and our lips that we would bring you glory, not ourself, but to God, testifying to your love on our behalf, pointing others to Jesus, our Savior. Finally, verses 33 through 35. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, the child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. So the final thing that we draw our attention to this morning is how Simeon is, is speaking with the Holy Spirit. Now, ideally, all our words should be governed by the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control to encourage one another, to build one another up. I thought, oh man, if that were true. <laughs> if I allowed the Lord to reign over my tongue like that, 
that all my words, I would say, are these words of love? Are these words of joy? Are these words that, that encourage peace? Are they patient and kind and gentle? Do they reflect faithfulness? Do they reflect self-control? All our words should be governed by the fruit of the Spirit. But there's times also that, that as you're sensitive to the Spirit's leading, I, I think at times God will have you say something specific to someone. Maybe to, to the church. Maybe to an individual. Maybe it's just something that God has put on your heart that, that's a, a, a word from the Lord or a scripture from the Lord. I felt that just a couple weeks ago. I won't share exactly what it was, but with Brian Benner. Brian, right? You can testify to that. I just, I, Brian was on my heart. A few scriptures came to mind, and it just seemed like something that clicked together. I thought it would be an encouragement to Brian. And, and as all, that all is going on in my mind, and it's like the Lord saying, yeah, just share this with Brian. What did I have? I had a hesitation in my heart. Ooh, should I, should I do that? Is that... How will he handle? How, how will he uh, receive that? Is that a little, as we talked about last week, weird? And, and again, it's like the Lord's like, it doesn't matter if it's weird, Randy. <laughs> Just obey me. Um, now. In this, this concept, I just want to give a little bit of a word of caution uh, because I've, had, I've seen people do this. I've had people do this to me um, in, in ways that I think have been of great benefit. And then I think I've seen this done carelessly and, and maybe even abused to where it's been done and, and there's been damage done. That someone says, oh, I think the Lord has told me to say to you. Um, and I think that in all of this, there has to be great, great humility. Great, great humility. Um, knowing that we are finite, knowing that we are limited, uh, being, being, able to, being able to encourage a person, maybe as simply as this, hey, this is what I think the Lord's sharing. And I'm not trying to give you a formula, right? But I'm just, this is what I think the Lord's putting on my heart. But, but I trust God much more than I trust myself. <laughs> um, so what, I, what I'd like you to do is just take this, go, go before the Lord with it, and see if it rings true, right? Does that make sense? To, to really, to do that humbly, um, but I think when we're bold enough to move in the spirit that way, there's some really beautiful things that can happen. That, 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 that just as we encourage one another, hey, this is just a scripture. You came to mind, I was praying for you. There's a scripture that, that the Lord brought to mind. And sometimes there's just going to be such beautiful things that we hear from another voice. that we say, oh, what, what an encouragement. What a spurring on. Or I was wondering that. And that's a confirmation for what, what God, you know, has had me thinking about or praying about or dreaming about. Does that make sense? And, what, and, and we'll wrap up here. What, what, what Simeon shares with this young family is clearly a prophetic word from the Lord. And, and what's interesting is we're told that he blesses them. And then he says some difficult things, right? It, it's really a, a mixed bag of what we might call something that is beautiful and, and, and sobering. Uh, Leon Morris, the author Leon Morris says, salvation will be purchased at a heavy cost. And Simeon somberly records this. To some, Jesus will, will mean rising. Right? They'll be falling or rising. To some, he'll, they'll be rising. And, and what's interesting is that word most often in the New Testament is used for resurrection. 
For some, there will be rising. For others, Jesus will be, as Isaiah 8, 14 prophesied, a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. He, in other words, he will not be received or treated equally by everyone. And that, that's been obvious all throughout history. The, the offer of salvation is universal, but the acceptance of the offer is not universal. And, and he gives this little... This little tidbit to Mary that I think the Lord is just trying to prepare her heart, that, that you're going to really feel this, Mary. Um, he's, uh, this, this being spoken against, this, this divided, some accept, some reject, is going to pierce your heart like a sword. And we know that Mary was the only, apparently the only human being that was there at Jesus' birth and also there at his death, but also there at what? His resurrection. Because the Lord has final victory. Uh, Jesus says in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart I have overcome the world. So in this, I just thought my prayer would be, Holy Spirit, lead our words. Lead our conversation according to your truth and governed by your fruit. So this Christmas season, may you enter into it like Simeon, (laughs) one who listens. May we walk in the spirit in obedience and expectancy and sensitivity to his movement. May we praise in the spirit, bringing God glory, testifying to his love on our behalf, pointing others to Jesus. And may we speak in the spirit, as 1 Thessalonians tells us, encouraging one another and building each other up in truth and love. Amen. Holy Spirit, may it be so. So, Father God, we give this time over to you. We are going to be interacting um, with maybe some friends that we haven't seen in a long time, maybe some family we haven't seen in a long time over this Christmas season, this week to come. We enter into what will be uh, some great rhythms, but some different rhythms, peculiar rhythms in this Christmas week. So, Lord, help us to be very, very in tune to the Holy Spirit of the living God. Help us to walk with the Spirit. May our lips be full of the praise of the Spirit. And may our conversations be speaking in the Spirit in truth and love. Lord, may we see beautiful things as we wait expectantly with our eyes peeled for you. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.